Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, I want to give you a very interesting conversation. And uh, I pray that the language by which I can articulate this will suffice to impress on your hearts the true or full vision so to speak of what I feel in my spirit for somebody to catch this evening. And it's important, more than ever before, I have mentioned, especially in our uh, ministry teachings, School of Ministry for the Ministers and stuff, that uh, the Church of Jesus Christ has been invaded with uh, a newer version of Christianity. Or Pentecostalism, what we call Neo-Pentecostalism. And um, it's so liberal, but it's killing what we know about the church according to the account that the scriptures have given us over the years. And this is it, that Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. Christ is not fully preached if we can demystify mysteries and speak wisdoms without the equal measure of power that should be demonstrated because of who we represent. Are you following what I'm saying? And we are moving in a time where people no longer care whether the power of God is present, whether the work of the Spirit of God is eminent or not. And like I shared once, I saw a video a couple of days and, you know, the Spirit of the Lord told me something so heavy. And I was watching this wonderful minister illustrating the gospel and he was calling it demonstrating. You understand? <laughs> you see, if I get a glass of water, for example, and start to show you an illustration, an analogy of God's work in that specific narrative. That is me illustrating. That is not me demonstrating. When we get to the point of demonstrating, I must be able to give you a spiritual experience of what I'm trying to articulate by language. Somebody shout hallelujah. So today, the theatrics are increasing, the smoke is coming out of, you know, lights and all these things, which is all okay. But at the end of the day, that's not going to open a blind eye. At the end of the day, that's not going to get a tumor out of a woman's stomach. At the end of the day, that's not going to raise your dead cousin. Praise the Lord Jesus. And so God is raising a church that appreciates and understands that whatever we speak as the wisdom of God, like the Bible says, is to the intent that the principalities and powers and rulers and dominions of this world might know, might come to the understanding 
who God is by the wisdom that we teach. And Satan does not hear you speak wisdom and he says, wow, this person is wise. No. What Paul is teaching in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10, is that as we teach the manifold wisdom of God, the power of God equally is demonstrated in our lives and to the principalities and powers and everything that you know there is, that God has not only called a church to bring salvation to all who are lost, but to also show forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you agree, say amen. And one of the aspects that I feel we're losing so much in this is we have lost the conversation of the person of the Holy Spirit. Somebody can preach for 10 years, five years, and they've never talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. Many people assume that they know him. Many people assume that they are with him. Or indeed, some have received him by reason of the new birth. But not many have understood the wisdom that comes by him and the responsibility of carrying the person or the Holy Spirit. And so in many aspects and ways, every time we're trying to talk about him, of course, we even go to places where he is not welcome, you know. I shared a story, I think, once or twice, where one time I went into a church somewhere in a nation, a certain nation, and I preached the gospel of Jesus. And a word of knowledge comes, and I say, there's a man here who is paralyzed from west to down. And this man was seated on my left in the back corner, a little small church. It was a family church. A few families come together. And it was uh, in a remote place. Not in Uganda, but I'll not tell you the country. And then this man, paralyzed from the legs, gets up before everybody, and everybody knew him in the church, and he starts walking. And people clap, and women weep, and, you know, it was a wonderful celebration, and we made an altar call, and people received Christ, and the pastor and his associate took me for lunch. And they said that uh, we want to restore you because we feel you're lost. And because there's a few things that you taught on the altar that are not true. And these guys have theology degrees. So they go on to say, for example, you cannot say that Jesus heals all diseases. And then they go on and on. their theological ramblings and they explain to me why you can't say Jesus heals all these diseases. So I ask them, but you saw a paralyzed man walk. And they say, and we thank God for that. But when you say that he heals all diseases, that's where our problem is. They never invited me again. They bid me farewell. Are you following what I'm saying? What was taught to our wonderful people to get to a point of doubting that God can do anything. Yet they read the very Bible and it says that with God, all things are possible. I understood that at one point we might be teaching or are being taught by wisdoms of men, fallen wisdoms of men and not the person of the Holy Spirit. Yet primarily he was given to us the Bible says to teach us all things and remind us that which we have forgotten. Now, I want to take you through an experience to explain something so complicated, but in a very simple way, yet very deep, and it will help you 
function more with the Holy Spirit because there are many people who dwell in the realm of feeling after but are not functional with the Spirit. You know, they are not assigned by the Spirit. They can respond in the realm of gifting, but they cannot be assigned deeply by purpose by the Holy Spirit. There are things that they can provoke out of their spirits by reason of the liberties that they already know they have by God. But it's another thing when a man is deeply yielded with God enough to go beyond what you are able to move by the liberties you can exercise through the word and the revelations you carry to the place of understanding the heart of God and his need in that time and reconciling it to what he has given you or submitting to what he is telling you to effectively perform more what is important to God than is to the vindication of your ministry. Who has understood it? Let me explain it. The mystery of godliness by nature vindicates us, okay? The Bible says, great is the mystery of godliness. For when God is manifest in the flesh, he's justified in the spirit, he's vindicated in the spirit. When you are a child of God, you have the right to be justified in the spirit. In other words, God has created all avenues spiritually to make sure that when you say Jesus heals, he is willing and able to prove that he can heal by the words you have spoken. If you're not speaking from here, but you're speaking from here. But it takes a higher level of maturity to go beyond what you can prove by reason of the gifting on your life. And it's not easy to understand it when you're still exercising yourself into performing the miracle or executing, you know, something according to the gift of God operating on your life. So this is not for those who have not even yet started to function in the spirit. This is for those who have at least obtained certain graces enough to be able to push certain things in the spirit realm. And you've prayed and something has happened. You have worshipped and something has happened. You have prophesied and you're accurate. You have taught and somebody can tell that you're not just speaking from borrowed lines or phrases, but there's an unction in the inside as of a man who, you know, is waiting on God. And sometimes in those places of the gifts where we're functioning effectually, we are firstly excited with the liberty that these gifts come with. By the way, they do excite. The anointing excites when it comes. You see? But for those of you who have walked with God for so long, You've seen people who have fallen under every power, spoken every kind of tongue. But when you look at their lives over 10, 15 years, 30 years, there's something in them that actually has not transformed. Either it's that nasty attitude or it's indifference or it's a hot temper. It's borderline. It's disconnected and... This wonderful believer you see for many years, you're like, yeah, this person understands God. And then tomorrow they wake up and say something that is so off to you and you're like, whoa, I actually thought you knew God. You understand? Because as the anointing of God increases on your life, God requires you to increase also. That's called maturity. When you get to a point where what's functioning on your life is shining brighter than the maturity or wisdom that should come from your spirit, that's what the Bible calls an unbalanced spirit. And equally true also, when the wisdom on your life cannot be demonstrated in the life transformed in your physical realm, you're also unbalanced. It's like being wise and yet poor. 
The Bible says that the poor man's wisdom is despised. It doesn't matter how wise you are. It doesn't look smart on you when you're broke. Somebody say, I can't be broke. Are you following what I'm saying? It's despised. Because God has not ordained wisdom on you without the equal measure of power that should follow. That's the double-edgedness of the sword again. There are many aspects where we understand what makes this double-edged. Are you following me? Anyway, there was something I was trying to explain. Don't worry if you don't understand now. You'll understand later. So you see a person transition from the liberties that you receive by gifting. And then later God starts to, you know, take you to a higher place of understanding that this thing that I've put on you, it's more than healing. It's more than prophecy. It's more than giving to the poor. There's a bigger picture. And with this picture, I cannot define on your spirit until I mature you first. Now, the wisdom to perform the miracle is different from the wisdom that is required to find assignment or mandate in the very miracle. Not every gifted person in the world is assigned by heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? Not every person who is gifted in the world is assigned by heaven. God does not entrust you with an assignment because you are mightily gifted. And you can grow in the gift and all of that is okay. But gifts were never designed to be pursued, rather to pursue you. And these signs shall follow, follow, follow. That means there's something or somebody leading you ahead of these things. They follow. They were designed to follow you. Are you following what I'm saying? So, now we see that the vindication or justification of the Spirit is twofold. There's that which proves that you're a child of God, but even deeper, there's that which proves that you are assigned of God. And many people don't know the difference because they all look the same. They all look similar. That the vindications of the gifts on my life might look as though they're the vindications of the mandate of God on my life. No, the first ones is God proving that you're a prophet. The second one is God proving that you are a prophet who was sent in your dispensation to declare this message. X, who has understood what I just said. Now, I'm going deeper here. So, in as much as it is important in the creative power necessary while you are in the gift of God, but there's also that creative power that is necessary when you are touching the assignment or mandate of God. Are you following what I'm saying? The things that justify you in the assignment are different from the things that justify you gifted. There are things Paul calls are done with their own doing, okay? When it's done, it's gone. You see, it might not necessarily guarantee the transformation of a human soul. As somewhere in northern Uganda, not far from now, a woman came crippled in both legs, prayed for her. She put up her clutches, walked and danced, and went in the car and went. By the time I called people to testify, she had left. She had received a miracle. You understand what I'm saying? So because she received the miracle, it's not a guarantee that it goes any further than that. She came for the miracle and received it. She went back in the car before the testimony. Are you following? And that was okay. That's what she wanted. And she received it. And God is unmerciful. Are you following what I'm saying? But there's somebody God will heal and mandate to heal. Who is following what I'm saying? 
With that individual, it is more than the miracle that has happened to them, but it's also the impartation that comes with the miracle they have received because not only are they testifying, but they go back with the responsibility into what God is calling them. Are you following me, child of God? Now, I can't talk about that gifting and what, however we can create this, but I pray that as I'm sharing, you'll mature in understanding the role, the creative role of the Holy Spirit as God is mandating you more than just gifting you, as God is assigning you. Because never forget this, the authority by which you use generically, I call it generically, especially in the realm of gifting or the exercising of the faith that is given by Scripture is different from the authority that any man or woman applies when they're assigned or mandated by God. Paul gives us an example of the difference. He makes a statement once and said that when I preached this gospel, he says, I made it of no charge, lest I abuse my power in the gospel. This power is not the power that makes the lame walk. It's not the power that opens blind eyes. It's not the power that opens deaf ears. The gifting and calling of God is without repentance. If God has anointed a man to make a lame man walk, that is not something God will take away. Do you agree? So the power Paul is talking about here is not the power of the gifting to heal or cast out devils in the name of Jesus. This power Paul is talking about is the power that mandates him or assigns him as an apostle of Jesus Christ, the man which God called to lay the foundation of the New Testament. As the gifting is not revocable, the assignment is revocable. Never miss that. Never miss that. There is nowhere in Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, where God has said that I cannot take my assignment from men. No. For example, if he has called you to do something, he says, I've called you to revive your nation. I've called you as a prophet. And you say, I will not. Will he force you? No. What does he do? He'll look for another. He told Reinhard Bonnke, I called three men to do what I'm calling you to do, and they refused. Can you believe it? They refused. Many people say, how could they refuse? You know, because you are lasting. You are a lasting. You are a lasting. Why? Because how can somebody refuse? That's you seeing things from without. You're not seeing things from within. Because maybe, just maybe, when God appeared to these men and showed them the detail, some probably felt that it was too heavy for them and they could not take it. So don't judge them. Don't judge them. Because when God starts to reveal the milestones of the responsibility that he has called you to, sometimes some of these things can become so costly that some men would choose a permissive, permissible will than the perfect will. You don't judge them. For them, it's just so heavy. I mean, if your Lord himself one time cries out, Father, if it be willing, take this cup of suffering off me. But if it be your will, let's go on. If at one particular point, even the Lord Jesus was tempted to turn away from this, some of you are lastingly look at the glory that these men were promised and you might not understand 
the milestones that were supposed to come with those processes. And perhaps some men counted it and they said, no, this is too heavy for me. That doesn't take a man to hell. It only makes God choose another. Am I preaching to somebody? So when your eyes are blind from, you know, the bigger picture, sometimes it is easy for you to judge things according from where you are, not necessarily from where God is. And it's important for you, especially when you are a minister of the gospel, firstly, to hear God on a thing before you are judging it, because many people are quick to judge. Like one day, I'm having this wonderful conversation with Jesus, and <laughs> I'm disturbed about this portion of scripture. They tell Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Okay? And then Jesus boldly says, Lazarus' sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Now, if you were there and you had Jesus and Lazarus had died, what would come to your mind? One, he didn't know what he was saying. Two, or uh, Jesus was trying to exercise faith, but you know, his faith failed. Are you following what I'm saying? There are many reasons you could what? You could give. I was always disturbed. Why would Jesus say that man's sickness is not unto death? Or was he meaning that that first death was not really death or it is not death until he stays in the tomb or sepulcher? You understand what I'm saying? And Jesus tells me something. You don't need to believe me. But the Lord told me, Jesus knew that Lazarus was not going to die, but Lazarus gave up the will to live. And the Lord told me, even with all the faith in the world, when a man has given up the will to live, no amount of faith can get him back. He has to die first. It says that when you're praying for him, you're praying for a dead fellow whose will you're not going to fight against. <laughs> Did you get it? Do you know there are people who are easier to raise from the dead than pray before they die? Because their spirit is fighting. You understand? Let me go. No, don't go. Let me go. No, don't go. You understand? Let me go. There was somebody we were praying for once. <laughs> this is true. And Jesus appeared and said, let this person go. And some of you have had those experiences. I had one as well. It was a kid we were fighting for. But if somebody said, you know me, I want to stay in heaven, there's nothing you can do. But I have come to believe that God has not designed faith to work against a man's will. If you say no to God, you have said no, you will die. So by vision, I saw that Lazarus actually gave up the will to live. And you know, there's a wonderful thing that I pray should happen to everybody because this is not something you can explain only from a theological perspective, those who know about God. This is only something you can explain from a theophany, those which have experienced God. That the word of God was never designed for you to interpret it from here huh? and try using your human language to, you know, decipher everything God is saying. The word of God was designed to get into your soul and your spirit to give you an experience that will go beyond even whatever language you have to interpret. Are you following? So that you will have the full counsel of God. 
But mark this, that I use the word unexperienced. The word of God is supposed to be experienced. And in a few, not all, but in a few experiences of my personal life, I've had an opportunity sometimes as I'm reading the Bible and sometimes my spirit is taken to a place where I literally see this narrative in the Bible as though it is happening before my eyes and I can literally identify things. It's like playing before me. It's not... You have experienced the word to a place where it's like I shared a story once where one time I'm in prayer and some of my spirit is carried to the place of crucifixion. Jesus is on the cross. And the next thing I know, I just see my spirit just besides that. And that story of crucifixion is playing out before my eyes. Now, this was not imaginative composition. Are you following what I'm saying? It was not me trying to draw images because I did not try to. I was carried there. And then the Lord gives me the experience, the mind to see through his eyes. And he said, I want you to see what I meant when I said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. Because for until that day, I used to think he was praying for the people which crucified him. But when you see things through the eyes of God, you realize he wasn't just praying for the people which crucified him. He was praying for human nature. And then he takes me back to Genesis. How wouldn't Adam and Eve know that the serpent was deceiving them when he said that when you eat of this fruit, you shall be like and do God, having a knowledge of both good and evil. How did Adam not know and Eve that they were being deceived by the serpent? That was the missing ingredient when God was creating man in the flesh. Are you following what I'm saying? That which does not know is indifferent. It sees in part. It prophesies in part. The Bible says, but when the fullness is come, the part is dealt away with. And you know what? Some people are waiting for that fullness to come on the day either when they are raptured and they're in heaven and, you know, that day of glory and they're waiting for the perfection to come. And the Lord showed me, no. No, 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 no. You see, did you know you are perfect in Him? Any imperfection you see on your life is just an experience of you without Him. Colossians says 2.10, ye are complete in him which is the head of all the principalities and powers. The same word there, complete, is perfect. Ye are complete. Ye are perfect in him which is the head of all principality and power. Do you know what that means? It means that when the Bible says that when we see in part and prophesy in part, when the fullest come, the part is dealt away with, that which is perfect or complete is already given in God, by God, in Christ. So anything of you that sees in part is that which is without Christ, the carnal, sensual nature of you. But when you continue to die in God and you are awakened by the Spirit, you realize why we're being perfected every day. And the Bible says, to the full measure of the stature of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why you have teachers. That's why you have preachers. That's why you have evangelists. All of this is to, the Bible says, still we all come in the unity of the faith, okay, and the knowledge of the Son, comma, and to a perfect man and to the measure of the state of the fullness of Christ. If this was not possible, then God would not have made it a goal. But you see, it's in the knowledge of the Son. And yet, the knowledge of the Son 
comes after the unity of the faith. Now, this unity of the faith is the reconciliation of all men to truth. It's not just the Baptist and the Presbyterian and the Episcopal sitting together over a cup of tea. That's not the unity God is talking about. The unity is where we can get to a point where we can all agree in what is absolute truth in a generation that has its own truth. Everybody has their own truth. And because you're living in the age of information overload, from wherever you are, you think you know everything and you're all there is and there can't be anything beyond what you know. Oh, 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 God can shock you. God can shock you. That's what humbles me most. God can shock you. God can shock you. So you stay humble and teachable because God is not where you think he is because he has met you where you are and agreed to perform according to your faith. Are you following somebody? But you see, if the unity of the faith is not achieved, then we cannot go into that knowledge of the Son and to the perfection of that man and to the major and the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that is possible. It is attainable even before the rapture. Or otherwise then, why would he then give such a responsibility to the church that it's not going to carry out anyway? Do you know God for mandating somebody to do something that they're not able to? No. The Bible says he has made us able ministers of the new covenant. Now, since the church came through from the porch, Solomon's porch, from the days of the apostles to that evolving and to the AD when Christ goes and then you get into the days of Paul and then from there the, the destruction of the temple in 70 AD and the 360 AD where Constantine comes and then 590 the birth of the papacy and then the reformations of Martin Luther and then you see the awakenings, the first and second, the, the revivals of 1901 Pentecostal, the Azusas, the word of faith, the charismatic, the prayer movements, the holiness movement, the, the Quakers and all. All of that has been a journey of God maturing the church. Every new birth is a result of an old womb. And I'll tell you, in every generation, God pushes a better breed out. Every generation. Because it says the glory of the latter church shall be greater than the glory of a former. God expects you to know more than Martin Luther knew. God expects you to know more than Calvin knew. God expects you to know more than even what Paul knew. Whoa! What are you talking about? He was a master builder that laid the foundation. I said that before. He just laid the foundation. He goes further than what he laid. And Jesus would not come for an incomplete building. Hello, somebody. So every uh, bricks and blocks have been added. Cement and mortar has been mixed. And men are adding. And I'm adding in my generation. You're adding in your generation. If you're long gone before Christ is back, your children will build on this and God will refine them even more and our children will be able to judge our message and say, ah, ah, Papa, here, no, you are speaking second dimension. <laughs> are you hearing what I'm saying? They might look at one day what we're preaching and say, ah, yeah, 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 you're preaching. But if what we were preaching was truth, they'll still look at us as foundations. Are you following? They'll still look at us as foundational. That you cannot get here until you go through what that woman told. You cannot get through here until what that man told. Are you following what I'm saying? Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I am sure you're understanding in Jesus' name. Shake your head a bit. You know, revelation can become too much and you start feeling worse. Aha. When it starts to happen, know that now it's in your spirit. Your spirit is getting it. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So I was trying to give us something here before I go deeper. That the word of God is an experience. And God can give you that experience. But like I said, when we're talking about experience from a man which is in part, there are things they don't know. They cannot know. The carnal man cannot design the things of the spirit for they're spiritually designed, they're estimated. He's incapable, the Amplified Version says, of knowing them. So the more carnal you are, the more ignorant you are. So like I said, on that vision of the cross, I, I saw that he wasn't repenting for those which crucified him. Because none among which did not crucify him could not crucify him according to the nature they carried. Do you agree? He was repenting for the ignorance of fallen man. You see? Now it's from that that I'll probably invite you to an experience of Genesis chapter 1, okay? And I want to build something there for those of you. But let's begin from verses 1. Again, this is something that I saw by experience. Like I saw that at the cross. He says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. In verses 2, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And I have this interesting experience where I'm in this point and I can see Genesis chapter 1 verses 2. I don't know how. And it's not an imaginative composition. Because I could sense something. You see, when the Bible there says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, you might ask yourself, what does God mean when he says moved? I see the experience. I hear the sounds of that experience. And so I go back to study Hebrew to justify or vindicate from Scripture, because everything you see, you should be able to prove by Scripture. The mistake of people who say, oh, I saw by God. But when you see by God, then you find yourself conflicting with the Word, then there's a problem. So you try to, as much as possible, stay balanced with the vindication of Scripture. Are you following what I'm saying? So I go now to study the Hebrew there. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. And I find that... The word there, moved, when you study Hebrew, it's likened to the flapping of wings. And as the wings are being flapped, wind is around. It's creating some foam. And then I understood why he comes in the form of a dove. You know, the Holy Spirit has never come in the form of man. Father God and the Son have carried attributes of man. Let us create man in our own image and likeness. When you talk about the hand, the eyes, the, you can see many things that create or give us the impression of the attributes of man. Jesus Christ comes in the form, okay, of a man, the likeness of a man, the form of a servant, okay? God has taken on the form or his likeness 
of man before. And we can see certain attributes with God that you have because you're created in his image. But the Holy Spirit has never carried the form of man. The only shape that has been given us besides the other shapeless elements that represent the person of the Holy Spirit. For example, oil sometimes represents the person of the Holy Spirit. Fire sometimes represents uh, the person of the Holy Spirit. Uh, water sometimes represents the person of the Holy Spirit. All of these elements are without form. But the only element that God has ever given by form has been the dove. Do you agree? It has been the dove. Now, and where the dove was then, we see why we introduce another important element that sometimes is defining the Holy Spirit, which is the wind. You understand? And the Lord shows me that this wind is quite really <laughs> envelops whatever he's flapping, whatever is being flapped. Do you understand? That form is carried by some sort of wind. You see? You cannot define any flight without some sort of air. Are you following what I'm saying? So sometimes you understand why the Holy Spirit is defined as a wind. As a wind. Or some sort of air, a breath. Are you following what I'm saying? Because there's a very deep correlation with this form or shape of a dove because the dove moves by the aid of wind or air. You understand what I'm saying? Am I creating something here for you to understand? So in my spirit, I see what the Lord is saying, but I'm trying to reconcile it with why he's telling me what he's telling me. And then he says something so wonderful. He takes me to Ezekiel chapter 37. You remember the value of dry bones? Huh? You remember the value of dry bones? And uh, this man walks into a valley and there are dry bones and God wants to use the prophet to speak to these bones so they can become a living army. In verses 9, if you read the Amplified Version, the Bible tells us, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath and the spirit. I want you to follow. He uses the word breath. And when you study that breath thing there, it defines more of this wind thing, okay? Prophesy to the breath and the spirit, son of man, and say to the breath and spirit, thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath and spirit, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied, Ezekiel says, as commanded me, and the breath and spirit came into the bones, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, and they were exceedingly a great host. Now, if you should see that picture, it's as though by the Spirit, he comes as a wind and he is blowing on bones. But as he's blowing on bones, muscle comes, sinew comes, flesh comes, blood comes, creative power is taking place as the Spirit of God is blowing or the winds of the Spirit are blowing on dry bone and these bones live and become a living army. The end of that miracle was not just to see men which were dead living, but as you continue to study Ezekiel, there's a bigger picture that God is trying to define between him and Israel. Are you following? There is purpose in this. It's not just designed to show off that God can or that 
somebody was praying for their dead father among the army. So God sort of provoked Ezekiel to pray so these people should come back to life. There was a deeper picture here. Now, when you have an experience where your eyes are able to see what the Holy Spirit is creating from dry bones and human beings start to form before your eyes. Okay, I've allowed you to imagine it because not many of you might have the grace to see by the experience of the word. Although I can pray right now that somebody's eyes are open to see. But if you're not able to go there, imagine a place where a dry bone is receiving flesh, is receiving muscle, veins are coming through, sinews, blood starts to flow. This body becomes warm and becomes a living being. And God tells you, I can do that by that person who is speaking in tongues through you. That which Ezekiel could summon sleeps in you, lives in you, eats with you, is sealed with you until the day of redemption. That which hovered over the face of the deep, flapping its wings with wings of purpose and wings of course and assignment, waiting for God to speak the word and say, let there be. And those wings with GS, wings, under those wings with GS, carried enough power to execute everything that the Lord had spoken. What is a tumor? What is cancer? Some of you remember the story when we had just begun Fanero. This artist, Holy Kenamoti, brought his brother, born with HIV, born with HIV. I finished preaching on a Thursday and I'm coming out and this boy, both parents died of HIV. And so this boy, you know, he's been dealing with it. And so he says, pray for my brother. And I feel this unction huh, of the spirit. Tell me, hug this boy. So I spread my hands like this over him. And it's almost as though by vision, I could see the wings of the Spirit put this boy under the work and power of God to heal him of all manner of virus. Now, as I had this young man, I did that for about 10 seconds. And I told him, go check. Till now, he's HIV negative. I didn't pray. I didn't pray. That day make me different from you. I only understand this more than you've taken time to think this through. If you understand this, I don't understand how they can tell you that your heart is diseased and your iotas are failing and, and you have this person with you. You put your hand on your body and say that same wind that 
put shape to the earth and placed trees where they are and separated the waters from the ground and put the sun where it is and positioned the stars. What does it need to put your heart and arteries back to order? Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? Now, this is not something that I can explain philosophically. It is something your eyes must see by the Spirit. I want you to understand when God said, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You didn't receive him just to no, 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 no. That's primarily to give you utterance. But what are you saying? Because the Bible says when you speak in tongues, your mind is futile. Your mind might not understand. But what are you saying? He says you're speaking mysteries unto God. Or in some instances, you're building yourself up. He says, he that speaketh in tongues builds himself up. Do you know what it means to build yourself up? When I'm going for a crusade, I just need a few minutes and I rako baladoga zoga tala pararega shonda la badadagosa. You know what you're doing? You're killing every kind of point of view to allow that treasure in other vessels to reveal the excellence of power, which is of God and not of us. I love that last line and not of us. That God will walk through somebody receiving. That God will walk through you in a way that people will know this is not you. This is not you. This is not you preaching. This is not your university degree. This is not your philosophy. This is not your Bible school. This is not your master's degree in humanities. This is not your PhD in anthropology. This is the very one which was hovering over the face of the earth. Now he's inside you creating the impossible. Jesus says that if you have this faith, you will speak to this mountain until it be thou removed and be thrown into yonder place. You know why? Because when the Holy Spirit is there, he looks at you the way he was waiting on God to command. Marakoda. The way he was waiting on God to say, let there be. But you see, you might not understand this because you don't understand the essence of the wisdom under which God created. Let me help you. The Hebrew doesn't say, let there be light. The Hebrew says, light be. The Hebrew doesn't say, let there be light. No. Let me repeat it. The Hebrew says, light be. Let me explain this. God, in his understanding of light, he says, in what I have imagined to be light, let it be. And the Holy Spirit executes. In other words, light as an entity cannot or carries no form or nature of existence or identity besides that which is imagined by God. So that's why many miss it. Why? Because you want to create what you think exists somewhere to come into manifestation. Yet God is waiting for your faculty to connect to the eternal wisdom of God. So in your imagination, you would be able to form out an image, to form out a sort of identity of a thing and command it into being and the Holy Spirit will come and execute it. No wonder when you understand this, you'll know why he says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. I'm not talking about you creating what has been created. I'm not talking about you manifesting what has been manifested before. 
I'm talking about you manifesting what eye has never seen, what ear has never heard, what has never entered the hearts of men. And he says, I have revealed it by my spirit. For yeah, he says, the spirit searches out the deep things of God. The Amplified calls them the bottomless things of God. But when you study the Amplified more close to the Hebrew, it is not showing, it is sounding. The Amplified says, sounding the profound and bottomless things of God. Because these things by revelation come as a sound. That is why in the Bible trumpets speak. For he says that if the trumpet giveth an uncertain sound, he says, who shall prepare for war? Because the trumpet was not being blown for the man to receive of its uh, voice but it was being blown because it had an instruction or a mandate by which those which had understanding could receive and take instruction. So if you cannot even connect to the sound of the Spirit, you can't understand what I'm saying. You can't understand what I'm saying. You cannot understand what I'm saying. You see, some of you, <laughs> that is why, and I'm going to say something, but not many people are able to understand because you have to first die to be able to function this way. Without that death, you cannot function in this liberty. See, some of you know only the prophetic from the realm of speaking things that would come as God has revealed. But do you know there's a realm in the prophetic? In fact, the most perfect realm in the prophetic is a realm that by reason of maturity in the wisdom of God can exercise its faith to create the future that should be because it's reconciled fully in the judgments of God. When you're in that realm, the one who sees what should come is inferior. That is why there are some prophets who can prophesy to some people here. But those which can prophesy as of what they see to come cannot prophesy to people here which have been perfected and have the ability by faith because they have understood the judgments of God and have gone through a certain death. Those kinds of people, you can only confirm what they have already created. What they have already created. A man stood up one day and said, at my pronouncement, there shall not be rain for three years. He said, at my word. This was not a vision. He didn't see. No, this was not a vision. This is a man who took the authority that he has as the chariot and horseman of Israel and said, as long as I live, there shall be no rain and dew. He said, according to my word. This was not according to the word of God. And heaven held rain for three years. Three years. Why? Because... He has the Spirit. The Spirit of God is upon him. And amazingly, that Spirit was upon him, not in him. 
that a man who understood what the spirit upon him could do could hold rain for three years by that same spirit. So that when he releases the rain, he don't need a horse. This is a wind, it can carry him. Oh. 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 That's why the Bible says that we which have believed have entered into rest. That place of rest is not a passive experience. No, it's an experience of so much activity. But it's not yet not I, but Christ. Why? Because you're carried by some wind. It's not your effort and power. No, he is carrying you by some wind. He, he is carrying you by his wind. Are you following what I'm saying? That is why, practically speaking, you remember the person of scripture in John chapter 3 verses 8 where he says, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Now it's speaking about the liberties of the spirit. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Where it will choose. Carries the liberty to do it. And you hear the sound, sound, not voice, sound thereof. I'm not going to linger there, but those of you who study the Bible can go there. But cannot tell whence it cometh because it's unpredictable. And it says, and whither it goes, because you cannot tell where it goes. Why? The liberties by which it has been established are not subject to only that which you can predict about it. It can break out by reason of the same liberty and create an alternative eon or world. When the Bible says, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts unto wisdom. Let me help somebody. The Hebrew word there for numbering is a point. So the true reading of that Psalm is, teach us to appoint our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know, there's a wisdom we cannot function into when we have not appointed our days. This is not a man waiting on what's going to happen next week, Kesara, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Look at the liberty by which Paul speaks. This is a man who tells you, sometimes I'm torn betwixt as of to be with you. As, it's a choice. Oh, 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 oh. That's a man who has appointed his days. He knows he cannot just get a heart attack on Tuesday, a certain Tuesday. He says... Listen, look at this liberty. Look at this liberty. He says, sometimes, you know, you have those Christians who are false humility. Uh, you know, if the Lord wills, he'll keep me. If he doesn't, you know, he'll take us, you know. If the Lord wills, yeah. No, this man is telling you he has matured to the counsel of God. Remember, he's revealing the full counsel. He has the ability to say, sometimes I'm torn betwixt. As of to be in the flesh for your sake, or to go and be with the Lord, which is far better, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh because it's more needful for you. He's literally saying whether he has diabetes, whether he has stage four cancer. He says, I am in the body for your sake. When I'm done, I'll go. That's not a man going to die because he's sick. That's a man who is going to die because it is finished. Listen to that. Now, when you understand that kind of realm, it's a small thing when they tell you you have stage four. When you understand that kind of world, it's a small thing when they tell you you're sick or cell and you are too anemic to be alive. Why? Because you live by faith. You live by faith. You don't live by injections. You don't live by cannulas. You don't live. You live by faith. He said the just shall live by faith. But when we talk about that justification, we only end in the justification that is given unto us by the righteousness imputed 
through faith in Christ and we forget this man is beyond that justification. He goes into that justification which vindicates you not only as a child of God but as a man or woman assigned by God. That's why he says you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall take sickness from the midst of thee. The assignment is enough to take sickness away. Yongicho on his deathbed as a young man, he got so sick and he simply told God, if you keep me alive, I will benefit you. And God lifted all sickness. That was not a man appropriating his right. That was God saying, if I lose this guy, I might struggle to get another one to redeem that nation. Listen, that is why some of you should understand it's important to serve God. Nothing can take you out before that assignment. You must understand this. Some of us have died so many times that we are only alive for the assignment. The day the assignment is done, we check out. And if by faith we might not even die, you just take a whirlwind and horses come. <laughs> oh, with faith. With faith. But imagine that you have, you have the grace and liberty to appoint your days. Let me tell you, many of the things we spoke in that realm were not things we saw coming. Many of the things we spoke in that realm were things we created in our spirits and commanded them to be. And because we believed that nothing they imagined shall be refrained from them, the fact that we could imagine, we knew that the Holy Spirit was creating our imagination. And whatever we're creating was be. Not become, no, be, it was there. We didn't give it a future tense. Are you hearing me? We started walking as rich men with no money in the pocket. Are you hearing me? You take a cannula out of your body and say, I'm going to preach. But you can't walk out of hospital and tell them I'm not sick. And they look at you and they say, you are crazy. No, you're not crazy. But you live in places where they cannot understand. Look, we are still alive. We've all lived even those doctors. Because greater is he which is in us. Than he which is in the world. That's why I told you Fanera has not yet begun. When I see the vision of beginning, this is not beginning. These are just rumblings of the beginning. The day we begin, the whole world will know that we have begun. And yes, we are coming. Somebody shout hallelujah. And you're still believing God for rent? <laughs> you're asking God for school fees? You're asking God to get sinuses out of you? Oh my goodness. You're still believing God to get, you know, ulcers out of your body? Ha! <laughs> get your hand on that body and say, Corrando talapayu. Health be! Somebody shout amen! Shout amen! So he says, so is everyone which is born of the Spirit. As he starts to express his liberties for us, he says, we start to become like him. We become the creative power in the lives of those who don't know him. Are you hearing me? They need healing, heal. They need deliverance, be delivered. They need money, 
get it. They need answers, we give it. We impart. Because we carry that treasure in nothing vessels. And that is why I won the church. And those ministers who think they can skip everything except by the Spirit, who are so careful on how she has fallen, who has screamed, why they've screamed, and what the Holy Spirit is doing. You don't know His ways. If they're fanatic and extreme, we'll deal with them, but we need the flame. We can't be in cold churches. You sit in a meeting as if it's a political meeting, as if you're on a funeral, as if Jesus was not dead and raised from the dead. Listen, if Ezekiel went to a valley of dry bones and things started cracking and there has to be something. Things must pop open in the kingdom of God. There has to be some sort of activity getting men from darkness into his marvelous light, from the kingdom of hell to the kingdom of heaven. So, what I mean, the day you understand this fully as a child of God, you'll understand why Paul says, an old prophesy. What the man of the Old Testament prayed, oh, I wish that all men would prophesy. Huh? In the New Testament, we have the power to speak into our destinies and appoint our days. And those days become exactly by the very faculty by which God created the heaven and the earth. The only problem is we're not intimate with Him. We are transactional. We're transactional. We only draw closer to him when we're in trouble. When we relate with him when we have a sermon to preach. We only relate with him when you are going through the sickness of a loved one or when you're in some sort of financial strain. He's not a constant partner and person. I remember one day, I was driving alone and the Holy Spirit started teaching. Now, how do I know his teaching? When he speaks things I don't know and have not read and I can confirm them. I've had experiences in this I bear before God where I've had visions with Jesus himself or the person of the Holy Spirit in fellowship. And he explained something. And I need to go back to the Bible to study the scripture he has spoken. And I'd never read it before. And I've heard it the first time, him speaking. When you have that kind of experience, it changes you. Because you no longer read the Bible as a newspaper. You read it as an experience. The word becomes a life. And with every experience comes the power. Let me tell you, when you become that wind, 
as of the wind that carries you or the wings that propel you. You see, when wind is blowing a certain direction, huh? anything that goes against that wind will experience, physicists will call it, a drag. D-R-A-G. You understand? You'll experience a word. Drag. You'll be slowed. Depending on how much wind, you can even be thrown back. Imagine a similar experience where you are running where the wind is blowing. Have you ever asked yourself why the Bible says that the locusts have no leader? They have no commander telling them, let's go this way. They have no organized army, the Bible says. They don't have this person saying, let's go here. Because when the wind carries them, where it goes, they go. Proverbs 30, 27, they have no king. But the Bible says, but yet they go forth in bands. They don't have a ruler. They have no body saying, we are going to eat this whole area. Are you following what I'm saying? Neither do they have a certain organization between each other. But the Bible says, when it starts to blow, when the wind starts to blow, wherever it carries them is where they go. You understand what I'm saying? Now, go back to what I was trying to tell you here. That if you are being led by the Spirit and somebody fights you, <laughs> and somebody, you know, slanders or gossips or blackmails you, it means they will automatically either be slowed in their own ministry, and you've seen it, Oh, not only will they be slowed, they will be taken back because you're a wind. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? Likewise, anybody that finds you in your flight and joins you, you can carry forward. Who understands that power? That is why we cannot progress and you don't progress. We cannot advance and you don't advance because we are blowing. You might not feel it. You might not, you know, tangibly touch it, but you will see the consequence of where the wind blows. That is why when you understand what it means to move by the winds of the spirit, you don't worry about detractors. You know, the drug will throw them off. The drug will throw them off. It's only a matter of time. They will faint. What's on you? We'll throw them out. They are the spectator. You're the one running. Come on. There's a reason why they're the ones watching you. They're the ones commenting about you. They're the ones writing about you. They're the ones speaking about you. You're not. You're the one on the race. You're flowing. Come on. You just keep your course. Are you hearing me? And just continue flying with God. You're going to see the drug itself take them out of your way because greater is he which is in you. This thing on your life can blow us off the universe. This thing on your life, it can blow us off the universe. And it is no more. If he says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, yet you have been begotten of that word, that incorruptible word, 
Even the place we're standing on, there is a man who by understanding can make everything disappear. Oh! Are you following what I'm saying? That is how I know that you should not struggle in life. Because you blow as you're blown. You carry as you're carried. You move as you're moved. You function as you function. When you understand that kind of liberty of the spirit, you will realize that every demonstration of power will be effortless. Effortless. You want it to further, further, further. No. You will decree things. You will buy phronesis. The wisdom that determines the mode of action. Be able to do anything by the liberty of the Spirit because you are too dead in your lusts. You're not trying to do it to prove or vindicate yourself by the gifting. But rather, everything is designed and ordained by God to work by that instruction. Are you following what I'm saying? Speak to Jesus. Say, Father, I receive everything that has been spoken tonight. Come on, open your mouth and speak in tongues. Talk to God. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead <laughs> is resident in us. Is resident in us. We cannot fail. We cannot die early. We only live to fulfill the will of God. Come and receive that word today. God empowers you today. God empowers you today. Have faith in what he has put inside you.
somebody deeper in the realm of knowing you give somebody an experience give somebody a vision give somebody an understanding touch somebody uniquely consecrate somebody distinctively separate ordain align position somebody on this meeting today to see you more than they have ever seen you before for the prophets on this ground may you see from higher places from the apostles on this ground may you function and minister in higher realms from today some of you the wisdom that is going to come to you this evening there's an understanding that only the Holy Spirit can give. Power of the Holy Ghost! 
I see somebody, God gives you the opportunity and grace to walk in the spirit like never before. God reads your house of any form of struggle or strife and you're going to be amazed at how easy things are going to come. Because you're going to be carried by the power that created the heaven and the earth more than ever before. This understanding is going to throw you in places you've never dreamed of. Function in graces you've never imagined. It's going to introduce you into places that are assigned only to those which have known the secret of God. Some of the greatest ministers the world has ever seen and I'm talking about you are going to shine in this generation more than the generations before. The glory that God has put upon you somebody receive it you're going to experience something that you'll not have word or language for but it's going to come with such a power it's going to come with such a force it's going to come with such an influence it's going to come with such a result it's going to come with such solutions it's going to come with such answers that nobody will question that God is with you signs miracles and wonders are going to follow you handkerchiefs touching you put on the sick they will be healed aprons touching you put on the sick they will be healed in the mighty name of jesus somebody is receiving a healing grace oh my god i see somebody and i hear the word god say you will raise the dead that person i'm talking about Desire and Give the Lord a mighty hand clap of praise. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing now. If you came with a crutch, put it down and run. If you're on a wheelchair, get up and walk. Whatever is disturbing you in movement, take it off yourself and walk. God heals you right now in the name of Jesus. Bony shoes are being healed. In the name of Jesus Christ. Some of you, you're going to see promotions and progress in your lives this year that is unusual because you are carried. You're going to be amazed at the things that God is going to do in your lives effortlessly. Kings will come to your rising. Gentiles will come to your light. Strangers will serve you effortlessly. You will not struggle because you have somebody carrying you. And neither will those in your confines struggle because what's upon you is enough grace to carry them even as they get to know your God. God is going to use people in this generation, in this time, 
more than human history has been recorded. And some of you should position yourself seriously for what is coming on the earth. Because I sense that there are people on this ground which are chosen vessels for what God has prepared for what is to come. The one in you created the earth. How can we fail? How can we fail? How can we fail? Something is happening. Something is happening. Something is happening. Something is happening. Those who can catch it will catch it. Those who lose it or might not get it. But something is happening. A very great impartation is happening. I don't know how God is doing this, but I'm seeing something heavy is falling. Something very heavy is falling. And I don't know why today, but something very heavy is falling. Kasharago de Bazadagazo. Roko Sebade. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 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 For God so loved the world that He gave. He's only son Whosoever The world has not seen what's on your life yet <laughs> But they're going to see it very soon They think they know you But they're going to learn that they did not know you Thank you Lord Thank you Lord Now if you are here and you've never given your life to Christ I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior if you're that person repeat this out after me say Lord Jesus I thank you because you died for my sins and you were raised my glory today I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior I'm born again Amen this sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International for more information contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999-400 or email us at info at fenero.org you can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook Instagram and Twitter subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International or better still feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.